1: Phase zero episode 40 starts right now we have a very big show today I'm very very excited about it myself I'm excited every week and this week is definitely no exception I'm your host Brandon Davis and I am joined today by Jenna Anderson hey everybody Aaron Perrine what's going on you guys and we are not the only people riding with you for the next hour on Phase Zero on the best Marvel show in the world. We have some special guests, but before we introduce them, I want to give you guys a little run through of what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about what if in full spoilers with the team behind the show. The big brains are joining us. We are also going to talk about my time on the set of The Eternals back in the before times. This was January 2020 <laughs> when, you know, set visits were... We're running amok. We're having fun on the sets. This was in the UK. We have a whole bunch of eternal stuff to talk about. I can't wait till set visits come back. Uh, and we have some more MCU news. Guardians 3 has some big updates. And there are new spinoff shows coming to Disney+. So we have all that coming in the second half of the show. But without further ado, we have to get to the main event. In, uh, in the words of the Grandmaster, it's main event time. And we have two very special guests on today's show. We have the director of What If, Brian Andrews. Hello, Brian.
2: Hi, everybody. How you doing?
1: Great. Thank you for hanging with us. And we also have the head writer of What If, A.C. Bradley. A.C., welcome to the show. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Are you guys out in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I'm actually on the East Coast for once. Oh, uh, wow. uh, ah, nice. I Nice. I, yeah, so I'm, it's twelve o'clock for me, nine a.m. for you. Guys. We appreciate y'all spending your morning with us. Uh, I know it's that's or nine a.m. is early for me. I'm not going to lie about it. So I appreciate y'all. Um, I just want to get like we're celebrating what if today. We have a, a lot of a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun questions for you guys. But I want to make sure everybody who's listening and watching is familiar with more of your work. Brian has been a storyboard artist with Marvel for years now. Worked in art departments at Marvel Studios. Movies like Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man 2 and 3, all four Avengers movies. Also worked on Samurai Jack and uh, Gendi Tartakovsky's uh, other awesome animated show, Primal. AC wrote uh, the Birds of Prey episode of Arrow back in the early seasons of Arrow. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Uh, my mom is probably losing her mind right now because she's obsessed with Arrow. Like, I'm an Arrow fan, but shout out to, to Michelle because she is obsessed with Arrow. It uh, also worked on Troll Hunters, which is like... One of, another one of my favorite shows ever at Trollhunters is so good. If you ever watch Trollhunters on Netflix and the Arcadia show, you guys need to do that. Guillermo del Toro's uh, you know, creative world comes to life and AC is largely responsible for the story there as well. So that's awesome. Uh, and now AC is the showrunner on What If? So we are very excited to have I just want to make sure everybody knew, was familiar with your, cool. you guys' resume because you guys have done some really awesome stuff before we start.
3: Oh, thank um, you.
1: Of course. So uh, my first question for you guys, I want to go to the beginning of what if, because I've heard really cool stories of people, how they get these jobs. Mm-hmm. And like Scott Derrickson is kind of the, the the example that I go back to where he spent like thousands of dollars. He went crazy and he did this whole visual presentation for Dr. Strange to pitch his ideas for Dr. Strange. And I love to hear about that process when did you approach marvel studios did they come to you what is that what was your kind of pitch there and uh brian i'll start with you about getting what if, the what if job
2: well it, marvel kind of came to us because it, it kind of spawned out of our, our 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 main guy who whose brainchild this was was brad Win, brad Winterbaum he was talking to kevin and they're figuring out what they're going to do coming up and and brad kind of threw out like hey man what if like animated <laughs> kevin was like I don't know. And so Brad went off and trying to start to figure it out. And, um, he, he called me up cause you know, they were familiar with me and they knew I worked in animation as well as live, as well as live action. And he just said like, Hey man, you want to work on something cool? I'm like, what? He said, what if? And so we basically was us trying to figure out like, Not all the stories just yet that that was to come, um, especially when we were going to bring Ashley in and and, and for a writer. But it was just like, is this even a thing? Could this even be a concept? And what might it look like? Because we had to get it past the trio first so we put together like a quick little thing um, to show like the style and what we might chase and uh, broad broad loose ideas of you know stories could be like this kind of thing it's mainly just the vibe the feel what, uh, how big we would want to be and what we would kind of push in a very broad broad sense and once they were like down with that then then it was the next phase and, I, and then i think brad reached out and found ac
1: AC, I'd love to hear about where, where you know that next part of that journey for you.
3: Well, I had known the guys over at Marvel for years. Uh, I had pitched on Captain Marvel, but I was knee deep in Trollhunters and Three Below. <laughs> I pitched on Eternals. I don't think even Brian knows that. A week after having appendectomy, and Nate Moore was very patient and listened to it. it was probably the worst pitch ever because I had two post-op uh, infections. It was like. I ran to um, Jonathan Schwartz in the hallways afterwards, and he was like, how are you doing? I'm fine. You went, no, how are you doing? Do you need a chair? And I was like, yeah, I think I just like messed up that. I think I gotta go home. Uh, so it was about a few months after that disaster, uh, I get a phone call that's like, hey, can you come to Marvel tomorrow at 10 or something like that? And Marvel, they never tell you, why, at least me, they never tell me why I'm there until I'm in the conference room and <laughs> i the NBA. So I'm in the conference room, signing so the NDA. I'm like, okay, what is it? And Brad walks in and he goes, we want to do an animated TV show. And I'm like, oh, this, I was not expecting that. <laughs> um, and then like he sold me on the idea and like freaking the first sentence uh, doing what if, because I think my first question was, who's the character? Who do I get to play with? And uh, the answer was all of them. And you can't really say no to that. Yeah, that's amazing. What did dream. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: So um, one thing I was really curious about was kind of when in the real world timeline of movies the show started coming together. Like had the world seen Avengers Endgame by the time mm-hmm. you started working on What If? Or was it a thing that both of you were like aware of what was going on before these movies even came out?
3: Brian knew more about the movies, because uh, about Endgame, because he storyboarded on it. So, I yeah. We opened our room, me and Matt and Ryan started in October, November of 2018. And there was this classic moment where like I spent the first two, three months basically walking into Endgame so hard and fast and yeah. it was getting, I think it was Victoria was like, she's just getting spoilers constantly. Like I knew everything <laughs> of it. I knew old man, Steve, I knew professor Hulk. I knew all the pieces of it. And they're like, why don't we? so I got to see a t- an early screening because like this is getting cruel and she'll stop pitching us stuff <laughs> that's <but laughs> already in the movie.
1: The pressure that comes with knowing those secrets. Oh, my God. Now, before we get into like an episode by episode breakdown, I do have uh, a bone to pick. I, like, I felt like I was personally attacked every time you guys killed Tony Stark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well,
3: come on. Whose idea was it to to kill my boy
1: Iron Man so many times?
3: I love Iron Man. And he was it was never intentional. <laughs> It's actually funny. I was always worried that people were going to get mad because we killed the Hulk like three times. And I was like, people going to know. that we, we think we have a th- thing for Mark Tony had a full episode dedicated to him where he was the lead. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fun, lighthearted episode. And it, due to COVID production, it's getting kicked to season two, COVID production delays. And, mm-hmm. but because of that, we never noticed that he died in all the other episodes because <laughs> there's this really fun, very, very Tony start quippy episode that was supposed to air between um, three and four.
4: Yep. <laughs>
1: Aaron, it's, yep. it's to oh, you, my friend.
3: Okay.
4: I just I wanted to see if anybody else had anything to say. So, AC, I see Captain Carter lurking in the background. over yeah. there <laughs> uh, There's our girl. Uh, so the series begins with with her, with Peggy. Uh, can you talk about the decision uh, in the order episode like why Captain Carter had to be first and why that was the episode you guys chose to lead with?
3: Um, it's actually the original, the first past concept art. I stole that um, right before the, the pandemic hit Ooh. and took it to my office. So thank you, Ryan Minerding. I have your art in my room. And um, I honestly, they already had decided that Captain America would be the first episode when. You go for a job at Marvel, they kind of give you pieces, and then you put together the story, and you pitch. Um, so they had asked me to come up with a take of what would happen if Steve Rogers fell off the train instead of Bucky. So I come in with this whole take. <laughs> and I also pitched out, actually, Party Thor was one of the episodes, and a Tony Stark episode I pitched out. And a couple of other little things. and One episode that's actually going to be in season two, I think. So... I get the job, we do the everything, like the contracts, hey, yeah, yeah, you show up for your first day, your pencil sharpened, you're all excited, and they go, by the way, you're not writing that episode. Oh, what? They went, that was basically, it was just a test. We really want to do what if Peggy Carter got the serum. That's the, That's the job. We just didn't want that to leak. Yeah. <laughs> and we want that to be our first episode. And I was standing there going... Okay, so all these notes go in the trash. <laughs> and it was, I don't know whose original idea it was to do Captain America as the first one, but it was a good one because it, we all know that story and it's a touchstone mm-hmm. for so many people. And Captain America, only probably rivaling Iron Man, is the most iconic Marvel MCU character. It mm-hmm. felt like a good play, way to like kind of warm the waters and ease people into the pool.
2: Yeah, so they I may mean, have been like a combo of like Kevin and Brad or something. I forget, but it was way, way early on the notion of doing something exactly as as Ashley stated, like something that was early in the history of the heroes um, for that familiarity. You know, because things are going to get crazy later on. So it's like we'll start the audience with something that they kind of know, and we shift it a bit, um, but and still has repercussions, and it gets relatively different. Um, but you know it's a far cry from like and Star-Lord is T'Challa you know it's just like whoa you know so just starting off a little bit a little bit easier Um, and also I I love the idea of doing something like that because I just wanted something that felt pulpy and retro um, just because I feel like I just didn't get enough of that in the first Captain America movie it's just like I love that era I love the vibe and the feel of of that time frame and, and that type those types of toys to play with so it's like let's do some of that you know um, but it opened the door for other things like, you know, Kevin Christening the Hydra Stomper. <laughs> it's like well, we got Skinny Steve and Skinny Steve is going to sit on the sidelines. We have Howard. Howard's going to do some cool stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of really fun things came out of that that that, that concept and just kept building, building, building. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. So um, I know there you guys had said in other interviews that there was initially a plan for T'Challa Starlord to have a spinoff. Um, can you talk about what that might have looked like and like where... Chadwick wanted to take it and how that all kind of would have taken shape.
2: It, it never got fully full. It was just as we got through a few more of the episodes and, you know, more of this episode two was getting finished and we were seeing how it was turning out. And like we always loved it. Um, and I was talking with Brad and there was some loose talk of like, you, you know, if we get to do more or even if this is the only what if, but there's going to be some more animated shows coming possibly. We don't know. Um, he's like, if we do that, this could totally be its own spin-off. and it would just be following those characters and what was going to happen nowhere near decided it was it was just the notion of like they're all great this universe is a lot of fun and it would be great to see more of them and chadwick seems so interested and so excited in being able to play this slightly different version of t'challa the the i don't think we ever talked to to him specifically like hey we're gonna do this but we're like, we know he'd be down for it because of the feedback we got from just being part of the the initial episodes and some of his other appearances in, in the show. So, yeah, we were like, man, that's going to be the thing. Like, like Brad had like this very loose pie in the sky wishboard of like, and we're going to animate this. And we're going to animate this. So that was like one of the first ones that went up for him was just like, we got to we, we got to pursue this. So it was just always there in the waiting as an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, which excited us, you know, it'd be so much fun, you know, them going on more heists and seeing more of that universe and, you know, but, you know, alas, it, it wasn't meant to be, I guess.
0: So completely shifting gears to episode three and the murder mystery with Hank Pym kind of at the Mm. center of it. Um, Hank Pym is kind of a little bit more of an a-hole in the comics than he usually (laughs) is in the MCU, for lack of a better term. Um, Did that kind of inspire episode three at all, kind of the more darker parts of his
3: comic roots? When it came to episode three, once we kind of said, let's get a murder mystery, let's do like start knocking off the Avengers and I'm a huge Agatha Christie. And of course being from New York, a law and order fan, Jerry Orbach, uh, the, <laughs> the Jerry years. And um, we brought to Brad, it was Brad's idea to make it Hank pin. Cause I only have like loose, like, okay, let me just pitch this out. Cause having learned after again, walking into end game, walking into like every movie on the slate, I was like, Can we do a murder mystery? Are you guys planning that for Avengers 5? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And it was like, no, no. And then his, because he'd worked on Ant-Man, he was like, You should do Hank Pym as the bad guy. He hates Shield so much. And we talk about it in you see it in Ant Man, but it hasn't been really explored. And I was like, okay, well, you can't just hate SHIELD. That's not enough. And then it's well, if his relationship with Hope, which we see get repaired in Ant-Man one and two didn't get the chance to be fixed. And then said she passed away in his mind due to Nick Fury and Shield's faults, that would be enough of a trigger to make him pull the trigger, so to mm-hmm. speak.
4: Okay. Um, so, to, and I also, now I want Detective Chimp. I want to Craig, <laughs> Detective Chimp. for you uh, heard here first. So in the next episode, uh, Doctor Strange, he he, kinda deviates a lot from the Doctor Range we know. He devours so many monsters of wizards. Rip my little bug friend with the cape. Uh, are there any other significant creatures there that we should be paying attention to? Anything like that we should be like that caught your guys' eye? Like you paging through the like, annals of Marvel history to find what kind of creepy crawlies for him to eat.
2: Uh, i think a lot of it was like you know our artists just coming up with cool stuff and a lot of it was ryan you know um minor ding coming up with some fun designs some ideas with his team so they could have snuck in some easter eggs like they who knows they could have borrowed from something something and combined I, I know there is one specific easter egg that's pretty powerful and i think it's literally on there for like one frame or two frames and uh-huh. it's it, it's something that exists in the universe so if people are savvy and they can find it they go Oh my God, he he consumed that. Oh Jesus! So yeah, there's a there's a pretty big one. (laughs) What? You can't just not tell us what it was. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to go and watch it and trace and and try and find it. You have to hunt for it. Um, But but, but yeah, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Then you can then you can write me and text me and be like, is it so and so? And I can say. You're close. Be careful, because I will. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm down for it. I want to know if you guys can find it, because um, it's pretty potent. It's pretty. It's pretty a huge thing. All right. All right. Uh, okay. I want to talk about the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say there is a teeny Easter egg, which I don't even know if Marvel even realizes. I like got snuck in, or Brian, by time, me, Graham, and Joel, one of the storyboard artists, and the gnome <laughs> Chomsky from Joel Hunters. <laughs> Was it? Wait. Was he in there? Yeah, he's like one of the first things he consumes is Chomsky. Oh, I'm, and I need to go back and... I oh, yeah! A script yeah, I remember that! Joke.
2: It's this it's evil little so gnome thing.
3: He's like the <laughs> nicest gnome in the freaking children's TV show. And we just kind of snuck him in. And sorry, I remember sorry, that. smart, small children. I felt in, really in bad. This
2: universe, yeah, in this universe, he, he's, he's very perturbed when he gets summoned and yeah. he's very angry.
3: I got a bunch of text messages from the Troll Hunters crew being like, Did you just kill (laughs) (laughs) Noam (laughs) Chomsky? Yes, yes. We did. It was a variant of Noam Chomsky.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, and it's it's, it's a subtle hint. Like, it never comes out in the show. There's no way to know this, but like, in inner detail, none of the creatures that he absorbs are dead. They're, they actually are all fully alive in him and fully capable. And that's how he's drawing upon extra power. It's not just that he absorbs them, but he's like, they are immortal now within him. So it's like a perpetual power supply. Well, that Um, starts
1: me down the path of, well, where's he going to let them all out? uh Who knows Uh if he can Uh ever can
2: or, (laughs) how hard is it for him to wrangle all those (laughs) all those things (laughs) That's true i I, I want to talk about the next episode which was the
1: zombies episode i think this was my favorite episode i really enjoyed it uh it it got pretty dark and i'm curious because like the episode opens pretty quickly on like a zombie tony getting his head cut off and then we see the falcon get split in Mm -hmm. half and happy get dragged away and it gets pretty dark and i felt like you know i'm not used to seeing things from, you know, Marvel Studios or Disney go this way. Did you guys get any push? Was there anything you couldn't get away with? Or was it just like, was was it uh, were those real, like, thorough conversations on how much you could put in the Zombies episode? Uh,
2: There was
3: conversations about blood gore and violence
2: yeah like the the level like there was a the the tone of red like like can yeah. we actually show red and the answer was like a hard fast no because apparently they can't even do that really in the in the movies there's a lot of really weird specific rules for that PG thirteen and T V fourteen stuff. Um mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, you can cut the heads off people and as long as there's some black stuff coming out, you're good. But but if someone even has the most minor wound and a little bit of red just inks across your hand, they're like, That's too much. It's like really you can lop off a head, but showing like a slight cut, that's too much. It's crazy. So we had to negotiate all of that subtlety. Yeah. Huh.
3: That's interesting. We do get the note originally in the script at least, Cap's head was cut off by a shield and but when bucky throws the shield and then it was like can you just make that he's cut in half we don't really want to see and then i was like fine that's like you know i'm not gonna on a hill to die on and exactly. then the storyboard artist changed the opening that they're like and Tony's head just gets cut off i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, it, it, you get away with it when they saw it in the boards like, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not okay. even sure where some of that i think some of that also too was like Maybe there were some individuals that just weren't sure exactly where they were rules stood. So they were kind of like, eh. but then later on, we found out and we're like, Oh, so we can do that. All right, cool. And then we just switched right back to it. We were concerned about um, hope jumping up out of Sharon. We were worried that the last minute, like someone, you know, uh, would freak out and say, no, that's too much. And I know we, for um, when a takes out Falcon, um, it was the fact that, um, things were slightly out of focus and quick and in the foreground it's slightly darker. Um, so that helped some of the bigger, um, ones, uh, skate on by. Um, so yeah, we had to be careful of that stuff.
4: We are learning so much. Uh, <laughs> if I may ask about the Killmonger episode, uh, mm. It, it's basically a Michael B. Jordan showcase. Fun for all of us who really, really enjoy Black Panther. Like, how much did you guys work with them? How much did his anime fandom influence some of the decisions you made? Because the robots, I was like, it would surprise <laughs> me if they didn't ask this man directly, like, give me Gundams. I want Gundams.
3: <laughs> I think we learned, we we knew Michael B. Jordan was an anime fan from, like, interviews he's given. Yeah. Um, and he's talked about it. So we're like, we're, he'll probably do the show since he seems to like animation. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And
3: then he came in to record. He ended up coming in twice to record, and both times he was awesome. Uh, yeah. He kind of just, he is, he's just the coolest guy in the room.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: So you're just kind of like, okay, let's go let him do his thing. He's great, he's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's so smart and so talented and he just knows, you know, he knows what he's doing and you just come in and you're like, yeah, here's the scenario. Here's the scene. He's got the material. He's like, yep, yep, yep. And then he hits it a number of times. You're like, dude, that was awesome. Let's like lean into that a little bit more. That was funny. Like that. He's just like, yeah, I'll give you another, you know, he like, goes for it. It's like, he's so cool. It's like, you know, you have it, you know what I mean? And, and I, I can't remember like when he's just like, there's the bit where he brings up the schematic of his thesis project. And I, I can't remember. Maybe actually, if you can remember, I can't remember if the what it would. I like anime. I can't, I can't remember if that line was always in the script or was one we added like a little bit later. Once we know we had him, and once we really knew that he loved anime, I can't remember if that was something like. I
3: think that was. Cool I think now. Matt put it. Matt put it in the script because he'd read like Yeah. Because we were excited that the process so that we could right. get Michael do a, a Killmonger Michael B Jordan showcase episode because he would. Yeah. He's going to voice it. Um, and he was just so great. And I'm pretty sure that was in the original script. That's
2: so good. It was a
3: really great script off the bat because doing like kind of a spy, darker mm-hmm. drama in animation is unheard of. Like this is, it was a real kind of, we took a real gamble with that. That's not a genre you usually see in Western animation at least.
2: Yeah. And,
3: and, and, it
2: was and, everyone, and everyone was really good. I mean, Andy Circus came in and, you know, well i mean it came in meaning remotely from like london <laughs> because he was off working on other stuff but um he did a great job and he and he brought it like 110 percent you know he just yeah. jumped right back into the shoes of that character and riffed on some lines and brought some other aspects made him even like smarmier and <laughs> it was, it was, it, was I, it was great
1: i think andy's one of the most talented people in the world did you guys ever get a uh, a chadwick and michael reunion did they ever kind of work at the same time together no. from after black panther Everyone's yeah. so
2: busy; it's so hard to get them together. Um, everyone was pretty much separate. We never had anyone at the same time. Um, but that's a testament to their, uh, you know, abilities. Like every everything works. You know, every- everyone gets yeah. they understand the material. Everyone loved the material. Everyone thought, and it's a testament to our writers, you know, it, everyone thought that the material really that captured the voices of, of all the characters, no matter how major or how minor. They're like, yeah, that's that that's that character. So you know, those, those actors were able to like enjoy the yeah. fact that it, oh it, this feels like my character but also but here's my character doing something slightly different but it still <laughs> feels like my character. Yeah. That, that's awesome you know and, and time and time again they, they they would say that you know so and that's it's awesome that's awesome
0: that's great. So um, I wanted to ask about the Party Thor episode. As a huge Captain Marvel fan, I loved kind of her and Thor clashing across the episode. If we had seen that fight kind of come to fruition without his mom intervening, she would have won, right? Like, can, can we agree that? Like, what, what do you guys kind of think? <laughs> yeah, I that? mean,
3: she straight up says, like, when she's talking to Maria Hill, like, I could take him out, but I'm going to take out the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> and that's the issue. She's like, I don't want to, sh- you guys don't want me to destroy the world over a keg stand Chad, right? <laughs> And that's the whole point she's like i can't we can't actually have a real fight unless without we already destroyed stonehenge yeah <laughs> how much exactly. collateral damage do you want and that's where the joke comes from of darcy being like um basically take out one of the dakotas no one's going to miss yeah. him sorry north and south dakota
2: <laughs> yeah apologies yeah apparently darcy has a thing for the dakotas i don't know why but it's just <laughs> i actually can't
3: tell them apart i the joke i can't tell them apart was one of my jokes and then um oh my gosh our, our coordinator uh your assistant brian she went south is on the bottom ashley and i went, oh, that's funny <laughs> i was like i just i just went, okay, i actually can't tell you too much about. It. i'm from new york city and i live in los angeles and i grew up in the bronx i like my middle of the world No, The country geography is very sad,
2: (laughs) but it's great, though, because it it fueled a little extra addendum to the line. So it's it's awesome. You know, it's like you you pull from everywhere and just keep making it cooler, you know, so that's awesome. But, yeah, that was a really fun one to do. Um, I love I love people's reaction where they're just like, oh, my gosh, they're going to fight. I never knew I needed this, but I totally want this. This is great. Um, and it was fun trying to keep it where they're both not trying to obviously mm-hmm. blow up the planet and kill each other, so it can keep the f- the, the fans having fun debating. And under, under what circumstances would one win or the other? You know, I'm mean, just like, it doesn't matter. They're heroes. They shouldn't be fighting anyway. But it's fun for them to spar, and that's great. And we get to have so, a lot of fun. With that. Uh,
1: it's always a reasonable conversation among the fans uh, when you yes. talk about <laughs> yeah.
4: Yes, speaking about like dust ups Uh, Episode eight, we get Jeffrey Wright finally gets to throw a punch uh, with him and Watcher, Ultron battle through the dimensions. And some of the fans on Twitter saw that there's a little, there might have been Mustafar in the background between Ultron and (laughs) and Watcher. Like, uh, Uh did you guys get the Star Wars clearance? Like, how did that go down?
2: We 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 didn't get any clearance from anyone because you know I can neither confirm nor deny that those locations exist in the Star Wars universe. But um, you know. (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny. It's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. I, There's a lot of universes out there. All, all I gotta say.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think my fa- possibly my favorite moment of the show was was Hawkeye uh, sacrificing himself to mm-hmm. to help Natasha complete the mission. Uh, I thought it was just like the the way, the way you guys animated that, where he's falling into the pit. Like the emotional payoff of that, because we as fans know that relationship between them. I thought mm-hmm. it was fantastic. It was. It was, it was I love that moment but also it felt like you guys flipped the roles for from end game. Was that kind of the intention there to say like, well, we know how this went down when they needed the soul stone, we went ahead and flipped it on its head. And this is what would have happened. Was that, did you guys have that in mind when you made that moment?
3: Yeah. And um, when, so I'm getting a slight echo. I hope you guys aren't getting it here. That's, that's, uh, when it came to the episode, we decided that the two people were going to follow. Like, you can't really show the end of the world and not give a character story in the middle of it. Otherwise, it's just eye candy. Mm-hmm. So we realized it was going to be Natasha and Clint, who are the two most, the two human Avengers, the two most human characters. They're not super powered. They're not clad in vibranium suits. They're just two very skilled people. Then it was like, okay, that's going to be really interesting. And we get to explore that friendship, which we've seen on screen, but here we get to see it a little bit more. And then I was like, okay. And then obviously we're gonna flip Endgame. That was like, we have to do that. We have to take that moment and do the reverse because people had been talking about it. It was such a big moment in Endgame and um, Black Widow sacrifice. Let's see the reverse of it. And it kind of just came together, just like with the characters. Like it's, Clinton and Natasha are already so well fleshed out in the films that just like seeing their friendship in this harrowing time was kind of actually fun to write and interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: it was one of my favorite dynamics I've seen between the two. Yeah, and it was fun. I mean, all, I mean, all, all the awesome stuff, it's right there on the page. And then it's just a question of like, being able to, to show it, you know, and you know, uh, the visuals that it allowed um, mm-hmm. helped us just to, um, you know, cement <laughs> or like, uh, re-edify you know all, all the stuff that was going on between them you know and especially like a little bit, little details in the scene when they're um, in the um, archives you know and they're having certain moments and working with the actors to try to like get some of those lines to come alive and then maybe ad-lib out just a little bit um, to also create an opportunity for the watcher to then chime in uh, and, and, and be like the viewer you know like on the edge of the seat you know like holding onto the armchair being like don't go in that room you know, there was a lot of fun being able to play with that and working with Jeffrey on some of that stuff was a lot of fun because he loves it when he gets a chance to like come out and, and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that we always wanted to do in the show too is like to, you know, humanize him in a way like, you know what I mean? He's, he's kind of us. Mm-hmm. And so allowing him to kind of experience things a moat a little bit it, to get away from the, I'm an omnipotent being. It's like, we didn't want to go that route. Certainly. Um, and moments like that, where he's becoming more invested in the story, really allowed us to ha- to have some fun, and-, and for the actors to have some fun with that stuff it was great. So,
4: um, oh, Brandon. you're muted, Brandon. Brandon. Um, <laughs> oh, no, oh yeah, there
1: we go. Anyway, all right. Well, for, it, it wasn't important anyway. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, now I, before we let you go, I do want to just jump ahead if we can and just you know i'd love to hear about what you guys are up to now like how how is things going on season two i know you guys are hard at work over there
2: yeah season two we're knee deep in it you know we're getting some um including the the mysterious the 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 the, the missing (laughs) tony stark episode So we're seeing some stuff come back from that, um, um, as well as some of the other ones. So, you know, it's coming together. You know, everything's been boarded, written, all that stuff. It's just every episode's in a different stage of of, of production, right? To animate Um, one
3: of these episodes takes 12 to 14 months. So that's after script, after animatic, after storyboard, after design. It's another 12 months to actually animate the film, like animate the episode, which is... I think a lot of credit has to go to our animation houses because they mm-hmm. are in it for the long haul and they've done such an amazing and beautiful job.
2: Wow, shout out to them
1: for doing the hard work there.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. especially on the, with the schedule that we had, you know what I mean? Um, um, but yeah, they did great and we got yeah. we got more coming. So hopefully everyone will be yeah. chomping at the bit and hopefully they like what we have, what we could present, you know? It's like, obviously we're, we're chasing down different stories mm-hmm. Different flavors, different vibes, different, um, you know, characters. Um, so, yeah, hopefully people like it as much as they like the first season.
4: You, you mentioned the characters. We hear that season two is supposed to be more Phase 4-centric. Which of the Phase 4 characters are you really excited to have? Yeah, we cannot say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <but> him. <laughs> we I all got them. We all got but but we're but we're excited. I mean, every episode was was great. We always we always said this even when we started the first season, and it was true for the second season. You know, we have to come up with the thirty ideas. We give them to Kevin just as like concepts before we get into the nitty gritty and creating it for real for real. But um, it's an embarrassment of riches. There's so many. Even Kevin, even whittling it down to a season, there's all these ones that he still considers star A plus whatever his rating system is. He's just like, I still like to see it. And some of those actually transfer over in a way ones that maybe weren't chosen for season one, um, but were still stellar. Um, some of those were then resubmitted in season two and, and, and one or two of those got chosen this time, you know, it's like they're, they're time to shine um, well, one so there's,
3: there's, I there's for the job. It's in season two. Nice. I, I nice. forgot that. Yeah. One of the episodes that we discussed at my very first meeting is now a season two episode. It's awesome. That's, That's awesome. That's cool. awesome.
1: Yeah, um, are, are you guys allowed to like it, it, Do you, I mean, I don't know if you guys have run into this Are you allowed to like, or have you tried to Introduce characters like Because I'm a huge Nova fan, I want to see Richard oh, Rider right. Or like Century, like characters who haven't been In the MCU yet, like have you guys Wanted to do that? Have you flirted with that
2: idea At all? It, it would have been Great, but early, early On we had the mandate from, from, from Kevin and the powers that be, it's just like We weren't allowed to introduce anything Or anyone that wasn't already introduced in the cinematic universe um so once that was set we're like okay
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it makes sense because then it would just be like here's this alternate version of a character you haven't even met yet so that that does make sense so yeah Yeah. we have i just want to get two twitter questions because i promised some of our fans we would get them and then we can let you guys go so i appreciate y'all hanging with us um this is from robin but spooky (laughs) <laughs> i think i know what i think i know the answer we're not gonna get here but i'll, I'll ask robin with Fuki's question as kang is about to be a huge multiverse presence in the mcu will we see him in season two <laughs>
2: uh well the thing is we were doing stuff way back so for like we were doing season one finishing up writing season one getting into writing season two and like loki wasn't even out yet you know and and um wandavision maybe was Mm -hmm. maybe on the verge of coming out or something so there's certain things we couldn't touch because those things weren't Mm -hmm. out yet so so we weren't writing that stuff i mean some people could why wasn't there more Wanda in season one it's like because we were told to stay away because wanda had her own show coming out and we would have loved we had a bunch of ideas that were like wanda wanda we love wanda and they're like no 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 you can't do these wanda ones (laughs) Yeah.
1: you just made yeah. a lot of wanda fans really happy knowing that there are ideas for her yeah the wanda, the wanda fans are passionate
2: no there were there was, there was much love for wanda and we had lots of things where she was like a main thing a somewhat side thing like all these different things where she's popping was like you guys can't do any of the wanda stuff i are like damn it all right <laughs> and, and this comes from
1: mil Miskew. I hope I said your name right. Milmaskew on Twitter. I'm blaming the Twitter people for all the, uh, the really, the, the hard, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the crazy names. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, hi guys. I got a big question. Have there been any talks or any plans to connect anything from season one, season two or anywhere? And what if to the live action? I think you guys have touched on this before about how it's all connected is the answer there, right?
3: In yeah, one way or it's, another. It's all, I mean, it's all up to Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, one thing I learned at Marvel, there's always plans. They always are planning something. They always have a trick up their sleeve. Yeah, uh, you can't. You can try and guess what they're going to do next, but uh, you can see, <laughs> you're just you're throwing darts at the board at that point. Exactly.
1: And and the last, my final question for you, because Jim Viscardi will kill me if I don't <laughs> ask, ask you guys this. He's he's another co-host on our show who's not here today. Uh, James Spader, did you guys ever? uh consider having he is a james fader super fan i think he has the blacklist posters all in his bedroom <laughs> so <laughs> i I'm, a, I'm friends with ross i think ross did a tremendous job oh, it was, yeah he, was he, great. he very much made it his own and i know he's capable of doing an ultron impression because i did avengers damage control and he very mm-hmm. much i didn't know it wasn't james fader until the producers of the vr experience told Do you know me
3: who helped write the dialogue in avengers damage control this did girl. You, that was the coolest wow. thing I've ever done. We did that. that. Was a, <laughs> that a polish on it. You guys,
1: that damage control was the coolest thing I've ever done. That was, yeah. I, I, I hope they bring that back and people get to, more people get to experience that because it was the most immersive thing I've ever done in my life. That's it was awesome. so fun. Cool. Oh my God, yeah. it was so cool. But yeah, that's I mean, awesome. did uh, did you guys ever consider James Spader returning for Ultron there?
2: I think. I think the idea was, I mean, that's above our pay grade because that's with Kevin Lou and Victoria but I was in the impression and what we were told was like they went out to everybody and it's just some people are able and some people were were, were not able for you know whatever reasons um but the idea was like we we're yeah we tried to get everybody <laughs> so yeah. um so yeah it would it would have been fun cuz James Spader is pretty cool and you know I've I've watched me some blacklist you know <laughs> he, he, you know he's he's fun on the show yeah. does just your pal cru- cruise around with a hat he's always wearing the hat and the coat is he just rocking it like because that would be amazing
1: <laughs> he's in the comment section right now he said thank you brian um,
2: yeah full props. <laughs> if he rocks the hat regularly then <laughs>
1: Full props. That's it. Jim. We're gonna get you. A, we're gonna get you one of those hats. All right, guys. Well, AC a- a- Brian, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Phase Zero today. Uh, we, I'm sure we could spend the next 24 hours talking with you about all this, but I know you guys have to get back to work over there, and uh, we're really excited to see what else you guys have in store. So, uh, congrats on season one. Thank you so thank much you for coming to chop it up with us. And if y'all ever want to talk again, you are more than welcome anytime you want. Awesome. Oh, thank, thank, you. You. thank you all.
3: So much fun. Thanks, guys. Totally. Bye. All
1: right, guys. Everybody. We are going to take a quick one minute break here on episode 40 of phase zero. And then we'll be right back to talk about my time on the set of the eternals. We are going to talk all about everything James Gunn has been saying on Twitter and we (laughs) got to keep rolling with all that. So we'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to Phase Zero, Episode 40. That was an awesome interview. Shout out to AC and Brian for being really awesome guests. Uh, that I, I feel like we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. It's really interesting to hear about the policies and stuff and how that stuff goes behind the scenes. That stuff to me is very interesting. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I almost want to tell you to stop. You might get in trouble. <laughs> but also like, keep going because this is the most insightful, interesting stuff that anybody has. Like, I, I find that stuff to be so interesting. The processes of how... It works at Marvel Studios, um, but yeah, uh, thank you to AC and Brian, and congrats to them on What If Season One. Hopefully, hopefully they come back after before and after season two, and maybe somewhere in between. Maybe they'll be our uh, MCU trivia guests. Who knows? <laughs>
3: that would be um,
1: fun. Yeah, that'd be sick. They would. I feel like AC would really hold her own in some <laughs> MCU trivia. She's a huge comic fan. She clearly knows this stuff very well. Um, all right. We're going to talk about some MCU news. We're going to start. I'm about to ramble on here for a little while. So sit down, buckle up and get excited. Hopefully uh, you enjoy the sound of my nasally voice. Uh, The Eternals set visit. I'm about to spill on it. I kept this a secret because Feige is always listening. So I couldn't say that I went to the set of Eternals until I could. And now I can. So I went to the set of Eternals in January of 2020. It was in the United Kingdom. So if anybody tells you they went to the London set, No, no, no. All of the UK is not London. Okay. There's more to it. Shout out to Layla. She gets it. Uh, So, but yeah, we went to the UK set of the Eternals and uh, it was really cool. And we didn't really see that much. Like usually I feel like a lot of set visits really tell you a lot about the film. This one was pretty secretive. Uh, We saw the Babylon set, which was almost fully built. It was really cool. Uh, And we saw the ship, that big triangular ship, uh, we have to walk on it. It's the interior is fully built. It's really cool. Um, there's like these glass windows in the sides with lights with kind of interplanetary ter- terrariums, uh, and all sorts of plant life from different planets and stuff in there. There is a giant. I mean, it had to be 20 feet tall. I wish I had the exact number. I'm sure they told us, but off the top of my head, I don't remember. Huge statue of a celestial at the centerpiece of the control room. It was Arashem. Uh, the judge, just massive celestial statue. I was like, why is that, is that thing going to be like animated? Like, is it going to move there? Like it's a statue because these Eternals were made by and sent by celestials. Um, we were on there for day 82 of 82. And this was when the movie was scheduled for November of 2020. And the theme of the day seemed to be that this movie was made really fast. It was such an ambitious movie. Chloe Zhao really made a huge movie. And it seems like they were really pushing to get this thing out in November of 2020. Because originally it was supposed to come later. Because the Guardians Volume 3 move and Black Widow came up, Eternals came up and everything. So now I think the movie has now taken its time to make sure everything is really done right. That's why I think that's personal. I don't know. But I think that that might be why it jumped back because the, the costume designers were telling us they usually make, uh, I think it was 11 to 14 costumes for each costume. I think they made six for these costumes and it was 10 heroes in costumes. Usually you have three for the actor, three for the stunt double, three for the stand-in and then three just in case, I think is what they said. And they were just like, listen, we had to, we didn't have time to make all those costumes. Um, and so they were like, but these ones held up. They were like, these ones didn't tear. These ones didn't break, all this stuff. So they, they got they, they, they got through it. And when you walk into that costume room, Oh my gosh! It was the first thing I thought was like the day I see a Nova costume like this. It's be insane. <laughs> but they're just, they are. Ama- it was like this dark room. It's all black walls. It's dimly lit. Maybe just to preserve the costumes. I'm not sure if they just want to keep them safe and out of the sun. But it was unbelievable how cool these costumes looked. They were colorful. They were real. You could touch them. It was unreal. Uh, I like seeing these costumes and then seeing the promotional material that came out early on that looked, it just looked bad in my opinion. Like I think like the animated looking like it was on a calendar. It was an early leak. And I was like, the costumes look so much better than they look in this. So I'm glad now that people are seeing this in the trailer and stuff. Those are real costumes. That's not CG. I'm sure there's some CGI added at some points, but those are real costumes that they're wearing Neck to toe. Like those are really there. Uh, but it's funny because like Leah McHugh who plays bright was saying like when they started, they was she was like, they were still clipping pieces of my costume on when we were on set. I was like, wow, they really are moving fast with this one. Uh, and like Salma Hayek said, she signed on before there was even a script. Uh, and I don't know. That might be normal. I, I'm sure sometimes they don't tell you these things. Um, and you just if they're like we're Marvel, here's the pl- here's the character, here's what we'll tell you about the character. This is their name. Psych. This is really their name. When you <laughs> sign on, uh, and and Salma Hayek signed on, and it's the, the movie moved fast and they 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 got a lot done. And they said 82 what, days was one of the longer productions that they've ever had at out of Marvel Studios. So they wow. not the longest, but it sounds really big. Um, my just my impression was that it's insanely ambitious. Costumes are gorgeous. The Babylon set was really cool. The giant celestial was amazing. Nate Moore told us something really interesting. The movie is set 60% in the present, 40% in various events throughout the past. You're going to see the Eternals kind of observing or participating or, or just being around for various parts of Earth's history. Uh, the, uh, the fall of the Aztec Empire with the conquistadors and just different stuff like that is the stuff that we're going to see the Eternals probably sit out or maybe not know that they're Eternals for. I think if you have read a comics, you know, if you go back and you listen to our Eternals episode, uh, that is a big factor is that they forget that they are superheroes. And uh, Jenna has done, that's another episode where Jenna did her homework, understood the assignment and really delivered. So I highly recommend to sending your tuition checks to Jenna and listening to that Eternals episode. Uh, they said there's no black Knight that Dane Whitman, Kit Harington's character, Dane Whitman won't be Black Knight. That's something they're going to play with in the future. I don't believe them. There was, there was a moment made me possibly believe otherwise, but I, uh, they also like, there's just, they, they, they tend to deceive James Gunn called, Uh, called Ego Jason on the set of guardians volume two. So they tend to like surprise, keep their surprises. And that makes sense. I appreciate that they do that, but maybe there is no black Knight, but there is clearly a plan for black Knight in the MCU. They said, we won't see the ebony blade, which is basically like the ring, but in weapon form, it can cut through anything, but it will also corrupt its user. Uh, Ajax, Alma Hayek said, she's like the mother of the group basically. And she had a really, really cool breakdown of, uh, how she looks at every character. Selma Hayek has put thought, Jenna Anderson level of thought <laughs> into like the relationships that Ajax has with every one of the Eternals um, and how she perceives each of them. And I'm going to write a story on this because I have all the quotes pulled. I've just been super busy uh, for the past few days. I haven't been able to knock that out yet, but there is some really cool insight from Selma Hayek on that. Um, and Fina, who is Angelina Jolie's character can draw weapons out of her own energy has a has this um, condition called Madwarai Madwiiri. I'm not I'm not sure how to say it. I, I pronounce it. It's there is it's it's in the comics as well. It's essentially like an eternal getting dementia, which makes her dangerous, but also um, probably will make her a key role in one way or another. Sprite Liam McHugh's character is very much a wise adult stuck in a kid's body. The Eternals don't treat her like a kid, but the world might. So that's going to be a fun dynamic. I think they're Sprite is very much paired off with Kingo in the movie. And they said it is very much a love story. They said it's the MCU's first movie that's centered around a love story. Uh, it, they said it's not quite the notebook, but it's the spine of the film uh, between Xerxes and Icarus. And that is a good looking couple. And I am excited to watch them be a couple. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot to this movie uh, if anybody has any questions about the time on the set, the comment section, I have it wide open, but um, that's pretty much all I have there. There's so much more to say. I just don't want to sit here and ramble too much. <laughs> you can go to com slash Marvel and look at our, our set report stuff uh, there. Uh, but yeah, if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to talk about it. Cause now I can finally
4: talk about it. Um, I just wanted to say for people in the comments who might not like understand or grasp some of the beginning of what Brandon was saying, like, there was an interview with Finn Wolfhard on Jimmy Fallon like two nights ago, and they were asking about filming Stranger Things four, and they said it filmed over three hundred days. Wow. So this 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 movie was whipped together in a hurry. It was just I, I was like eighty five, a third of a TV show. What in the wow. world? Even a TV show as big as stakes is like Stranger Things. It's obviously a big production with a bunch of money behind it, but this is th- this thing was lean, it was lean, That's interesting. and lean.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
4: That's interesting because
1: I know like the walking dead does, and I don't know how many days total. I'm sure if I did some quick math, they do, they average about eight days per episode and they do 16 episodes. So whatever eight times 16 is 80, eight times, say 40, yeah, like <laughs> 130 days ish. That's yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. That's an interesting. Dude. Uh, there's a question here. Did you get the feeling the villains are just going to be all CGI says Bla Roski in the comments? Yeah, I do think so. I think that the deviants are going to be very much CGI crow is not the pink deviant from the Jack Kirby comics. Uh, so he's, I think it's, I'm pretty sure Dan Stevens is voicing crow. I think I saw an interview with Collider yeah. where he, he confirmed
0: it like a couple weeks ago without oh, really confirming it? it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, <laughs> I think the deviants are very much CGI. Um, I'm not, they didn't really tell us too much about the deviants other than they haven't been spotted in thousands of years. And now they're popping up in this weird evolved form. And that's probably what's going to cause the Eternals to get the band back together. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I, Steve Blaroski says a little worried. It's going to look, it's not going to look good or be corny. It's a fair concern, but we've seen so many CGI villains. It is, I, it is definitely hit or miss. From the trailers, they look. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm holding my judgment on that until I see it on the big screen, the way Chloe Zhao intends it to be cinema, <laughs> cinema people. Uh, but yeah, so I, if that's, if that's all we have there, shout out to Lil Icky and we can move on to, uh, <laughs> I don't know if Lil Icky's in the movie. If he is, he's not going to be there for long. R.I.P. Uh, wow. R.I.P. Really? <laughs> homie, getting too close to the sun. Uh, but yeah, we can move on to the rest of the news. And if anybody has any questions, I'll just monitor the comments while you guys run through some news here and uh, we can circle back to it. But but we're we're already almost an hour into this program today. Wow yeah,
4: it's, it's, a, it's a chunky edition of <laughs> Phase Zero. We got a chunky <laughs> So the biggest the biggest uh news story I think of this week has been uh Will Poulter getting cast as Adam Warlock for uh mm-hmm. for of the hours of galaxy volume three. Uh apparently. Uh, Roger Jean Page and George McKay were the runners-up. Uh, the question I would have for everybody is, what version of Adam Warlock do you want to see here? We posed this on Phase Zero Twitter account, and you got a bunch of different, uh, you know, responses to that. I know we've been waiting on this announcement for a long time, and there was a lot of, you know, response to it. Rip all the other people. I feel your pain. <laughs> Who won a Zac Efron? I understand. I get it. I'm one of you. So i leave it to you guys
0: see the Zac Efron people are now just going to shift back to Johnny Storm like they're just going to immediately I've already seen so many people who just want him to be Johnny Storm now that he's out of the running for that I I'm like I'm agree. like we talked about this before we started recording I'm not super familiar with Will Poulter like I've seen bits and pieces of the movies that he's in but like he seems like such an interesting choice and like James Gunn is so good at casting that I whatever he sees in his incarnation of Adam Warlock I am super excited to see realized because it's Absolutely not what I would have expected when we were sitting there watching him in as you put it, the air fryer, like all of those years to go back <laughs> in 2017. I was thinking about it the other day when he got cast of like, imagine being Will, Will Poulter and sitting there watching Guardians 2 and not knowing that like five years later, you're going to be that Adam Warlock. Like that has to just be wild. But like, I... I think there's so many ways you can take his story. I know Adam our coworker had a really good theory on Twitter which would be that like Aisha and all of the other people get snapped and then during the blip he breaks out of the cocoon and like goes crazy for those 5 years. Like I think something like that would be really cool, but I think whatever James Gunn's going to do with him I think is just going to be absolutely wild.
1: I think Will Poulter is a fantastic choice. Also, I found out about this on Thursday and I was like trying to get it Confirmed so that I could announce it on the show. And when I saw the deadline report, I just, I was like, <laughs>
3: uh,
1: yeah, that one hurt. Um, but uh, I think Will Poulter's a great choice uh, because he's funny in we're the millers and he can in the, if you've seen the maze runner movies, he can play like the arrogant, like Dick. Like, and I think that those are the things that you're going to want from Adam Warlock in the MCU. And you know, James Gunn is bring. he's going to play this. Like I'm funny. I'm maybe even a little like, like, Zac Efron type of character, like the full of yourself, like the the, the the thing you typically expect. I think Zac Efron is more dynamic than that, than people give him credit for often, but the character, the Baywatch type character. So I think Will Poulter can do that, but he can also get serious. He can also play really sharp, intense versions of this. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a perfect casting. And I think the other two guys, there are roles for them in the MCU. Reggie, John Paul, Page. um, I saw people saying he could be Reed Richards. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. I saw people saying Adam Brashear. I'm I'm cool with that. I think George McKay would make a good Nova if Kevin doesn't call me. So uh, (laughs) George could be a really good Richard Rider. Uh, George McKay in 19, he was in 1917, right? Mm -hmm. That dude dude went through it. Yeah. I have, I have all the respect (laughs) for him after that movie, but yeah, Warlock is cast. I'm sure uh, in about 20 minutes when the show's (laughs) over, we will have our Reed Richards casting
0: something crazy there's always a post-credit scene and then the other guardians news of the week was that james gunn tweeted yesterday because a fan asked him like when is guardians of the galaxy volume 3 set and he responded with now which is a question or an answer that everybody has a lot of questions over of like well it can't be 2021 because of the snap and the five-year time jump and all of that um there's also this weird wrinkle in the fact that technically endgame takes place in october 2023 so if if Guardians 3 is set now, which would be May 2023 when it is supposed to be released, that might create a little bit of a time warp with what we have established in the canon. But also we know Marvel is willing to kind of have a sliding scale of their timeline, as evident by like Spider-Man Homecoming and everything else. So what do you all think of the that kind of aspect of it? And then the other piece of news is that Tyler Bates is not... Going to score it, even though he scored the first two movies. But yeah, so what do y'all think of that news. That
1: to me is a bummer. The Tyler yeah. Bates news is a bummer. I love Tyler Bates' score. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why he's not back, but I, I I'm sure whoever is coming in will play off of the Guardians team he's created, and and I'm sure they'll make a great choice. But I was a huge fan of Tyler Bates' work on the first two movies. But yeah, set now, just don't don't give me the pandemic in the MCU. <laughs> I don't need it. Like I got the pandemic all around me already. I don't need it in my Marvel content. Just. Yeah, don't set it now, please. Anything, any, any anywhere but now. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think I think I think by now he just means present day MCU. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's set where we after we last see them in Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. I didn't expect the prequel. I'm interested to see how Gamora catches up to the now, which is nine years later. But yeah, Aaron, what do you think
4: about this? Uh well. I, I don't know why we're all in such a rush to have this man hurt us again. He, it's all <laughs> that's waiting for us. Whenever it comes out, whatever it takes place, we all gonna be sad. So I don't I, I laugh when everybody's like, oh, when is this set? What is it? I'm like, why are y'all in such a rush to get broken like we did last time and we know we're gonna happen again? Like at this point, like thank goodness that the Christmas special is gonna be an upbeat affair. Because I know. the the third, like it's gonna we're gonna get <laughs> a nice slice of, oh, it could be also wonderful, and then.
0: Mm -hmm. immediately.
1: I'll I'll bet you Groot doesn't get the present he wanted, and we're all gonna cry. Like, I'm (laughs) telling you, he will find a way. He will find a way. James Gunn has hurt me more through two (laughs) movies. I'm telling you right now. The the only thing I think that has hurt me more in the MCU was was Iron Man dying, but Yondu's death? The first Mm -hmm. five minutes, I've said this on the show before, the first five minutes of the first Guardians movie are just like, oh, kill me, it would hurt less. Like, I mean, yeah, he's gonna hurt us, but I still I'm ready to be heard again. (laughs) (laughs) Movie theaters are using fan made posters for Spider-Man No Way Home because they're like, "Yo, we need to promote this movie. We need to tell people it's coming and they haven't given us a poster yet. Here's my theory. I think after Venom, let there be carnage opens worldwide. There will be a poster for Spider-Man No Way Home that has Venom on it.
0: I, I agree with your theory. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: there's no other reason to wait right why is there Mm -hmm. no poster for this movie yet
0: it's It's like I expected them to. I expected them to put out a poster that would just be Tom Holland because I, I expected them like when we got the first <laughs> trailer Holland. of like just Tom Holland or like the weird little like scrapbooky kind of like DIY deviant art version of the last two posters like do something like that with the characters that we know are here like you don't have to spoil Venom in a poster if you don't want to but it is very suspicious that we're like almost 2 months out for this movie and there are no posters and people are just don't having you to know, use know they want
1: to you know yeah. they want to if <laughs> right. venom is in this movie there's no way I, I don't know man i i was just i did a i did a um uh rotten tomatoes show about venom uh and i talked with nikki novak about all this and um it's like i'm starting to wonder if these leaks are Intentional, like if Sony mm-hmm. is dropping these little, fo- like I've never seen photos like this drop before, but it's <laughs> happening to Doctor Strange too. There's stuff that you know that's just getting out there that you don't mm-hmm. want to see as a fan necessarily, but some do. I prefer to not be spoiled, but if they're doing this stuff intentionally, like these leaks are not accidents. Mm-hmm. It's the most genius marketing campaign I've ever seen in my life. And then you don't have to put these returning characters and crossing over characters on posters. You just let these leaks speak for themselves. But I, I don't know if that's true. It's, it's a, That's a very ambitious theory there. <laughs> Reckless
4: speculation. Hooray. Um, so basically that's what the internet runs off of baby is hot takes. That's uh-huh. all we do is sit here and be like, well, it would be cool if this happened. I think that in my own hair brand way, Brandon might be on to a little bit of something because mm-hmm. if you're all, if you've been on the geek internet long enough, you remember all like the augmented reality games <laughs> and stuff that happened in the mid 2000s around mm-hmm. stuff like the Dark Knight. And this would be the next logical thing where it's not even like you have to solve some cipher. All the yeah. internet would just run through that like hot, like hot butter. Just woo, we would cut right through it. So we just cut out the middleman and be like, well, this may or may not be happening well, like, this character may or may not be appearing here. You know like what I mean?
0: Earlier this week, there was a thing, like I brought it up in the main Slack and we all were like, what is this? Of like somebody found the Russian website for Skittles. This is 100% true. I'm not, I'm not lying. Like if you go to the Russian website for Skittles, they have a video of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and it has some sort of text of involving the words, no way home. And so people were like, did the Russian Skittles website just confirm that Andrew Garfield is in this movie? Like it is becoming bad libs at this point, but it is like Aaron is onto something. It is almost this like weird virtual reality, like geocaching experience of trying to find leaks. It is the weirdest thing.
4: It so is... go ahead, Aaron. For for people who don't know, I am from sports and I love weird. Weird stuff like this. This is how we used to get down on on the on the Internet of old, like tracking <laughs> planes, trying to figure out flight logs to see where people are going beforehand and connecting the dots for yourself. That's where that's where we are. We're in that same zone of weirdness. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, 2020 is a wild place. And would it really <laughs> surprise you if the Russian skills account was how we figured out about Andrew Garfield? Would it really?
0: No. I don't
4: think so. Yeah. Detective Aaron <laughs> <me> huh.
0: back. <laughs> I love it we got
1: a little bit more news here yes. before we wrap so, up today's show
0: so the post credit scene of last week's show in terms of <laughs> news this this past week has been so long that we all honestly forgot about this until I had brought it up when we were talking before is that there is a Agatha Hart show coming to Disney Plus um, Catherine Hahn is going to return as is WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer um, it's described as a dark comedy and who knows exactly where they're going to take that. Um, the reporting also indicated that she will appear in other movies and shows as part of her deal, which I really hope means that she's in Fantastic Four because if anyone knows Agatha's comic history, she basically started out as the babysitter for the Fantastic Four's children and I really want to see that fully realized especially when in WandaVision she was like, I hate children. I want that to be a thing where she's just adventures and babysitting with like all of the Richard's children. Um, but yeah, what do we think about that? And then we'll get into some of the other rumors about about spinoff shows that might or might not be happening.
4: I really think it's a no brainer to give her one of these things because Mm -hmm. WandaVision was so big. Like it just was so huge. When I saw people on Twitter being like, I don't get this. I'm like, do you remember what it was like? It was chaos Mm -hmm. on social media, the nights that WandaVision would drop during the first five or six like weeks of it. It was insane. Like Disney plus would crash every week. I remember trying to get ready for this show. And being up at the time, the ungodly time, and being like, please load Disney Plus so I can watch the show so I can go to bed. I need to be ready for tomorrow when we wake up. So it <laughs> makes sense, and she's enjoyable. We all love Katherine Hahn. Mm-hmm. Like, where's Jamie? Jamie needs I to be know. on here so she can cape for a the girl. I don't know. Chat
0: is just like talking about Jamie without her being here. I I think <laughs> this makes sense purely in the sense of like we're not getting a season two of Wandavision, but like this makes sense, and it is very in line with the way that sitcoms do work. It feels the most sitcom sort of thing of like the amount of characters on a sitcom who then get their own spinoff show, whether it's like Frasier or like every character on Mary Tyler Moore got a spinoff. Like of their own. So it's this thing of like, of course, when Catherine Hahn is getting Emmy nominations and so much hype for playing Agatha, it's like, yeah, why not give her a show? It's crazy though to think about it. If like Agatha Harkness is going to get a TV show, like that is just objectively crazy. Everybody.
1: Groot gets a special. (laughs) Agatha gets a show. Like they're doing so much. There's so much. (laughs) There's so much.
0: Well, and in, in, in now, now you have to hear the Agatha theme song so much more. That's, <laughs> that's, what that's what not the theme job? song for the show. It has to be. It would. I would be shocked if they don't like remix it or something. The thing
1: is, say, Go ahead. It, it, so the, like, WandaVision felt like such a lightning in a bottle moment. And it, I, 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 WandaVision was fantastic. But I think part of that, like, I think it's undeniable that a part of that was that this was the first marvel anything in such a long time mm-hmm. that everybody watched it and it it really worked out that it was very very good because all eyes were on wandavision we had an absolute blast now i'm getting to the point where i mean i'm gonna watch all this stuff i host a marvel show i love marvel <laughs> stuff uh but it's it's almost like when is it too much i'm not sitting here saying let's not make these shows by any means though. go ahead and blast me on twitter and shows. no i'm hyped for agatha but I am like, man, it's going to be hard for people to keep up with this stuff. Is it at some point going to start discouraging new viewers from going to the movies or joining these shows? Like, If you have to have watched Age of Ultron to see Wanda's first show, then uh Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame and WandaVision and Doctor Strange 2 and Agatha all along, just to understand, I don't know. The the next movie in 2025, plus everything else that these characters, like, I love that it's interconnected but it feels like that's going to start to become both the blessing and the curse of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where everybody, like, it thrives based on that, because everybody, like, has a favorite character. When you take one, you put them somewhere else, you get a whole pool of audiences and fans that are excited to see what's next. But at the same time, you're going to have people who are like, that's a thousand hours of content that I have to catch up on. why Why bother starting? You know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting to see how they work that out. Marvel has really proved that they are pretty capable of almost anything at this point. So we don't have a reason to doubt them. But I would be lying if I was like, yeah, I think everybody's going to keep up with all this stuff forever. I think it is a lot. I think it Mm -hmm. is a lot. It it is. And it's a comment right there. Brywood. It's exactly like comics. It is. And there's a reason why people don't read every comic that comes out because you just can't. You just can't read every comic. I mean, some people probably do, but it's hard to keep up. It's discouraging for new people to jump in. uh, And it's it's, it's tricky. It's tricky, but it's also, you know, there's no reason to complain if you are a fan because you are getting fed. You are eating really well. We're becoming (laughs) chonky. Chonky with our fandom. That's <laughs> the theme of the day today. L- yep. Layla's in the comments calling it Chonky
4: Phase Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, drop the other two rumors in here. So that yeah, Brandon's so, like, this is too much. Ask so, more. Yeah,
0: Brandon was <laughs> losing his mind when we were discussing this earlier. There are rumors that are swirling around that Monica Rambeau might get her own show presumably after the Marvels and then there might be a Ten Rings show spinning off of chunky. I know. So Brandon, I'll let you take the lead on this because you seem to have the most like audible reaction to it. <laughs>
1: Monica, cool. Very cool. Monica, yeah. very exciting. And and honestly, Ten Rings, also cool, but like, what? Uh, mm-hmm. What's going on there? Because I thought Zhe Ling was probably, man, she, she really gave Shang-Chi a run for his money on best character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought uh, Ling was an awesome character in Legend of the Ten Rings. Do I need a Ten Rings show? I mean, I wouldn't have asked for it. I'd like to see that. I'd, it's hard to imagine... Either of those characters really without the other part of why I like Shang-Chi so much is because of the family dynamic. I thought they all complemented each other so well that cast was brilliant. I'll, I'll watch the hell out of a 10 rings show. It's the most surprising announcement so far. Monica Rambeau, I, I get all these WandaVision spinoffs. I get makes a lot of sense, uh, but the 10 rings one is the most surprising to me. I, it's totally surprising to me. Where can that go? But that said, like I just said a moment ago, Marvel has proved that they so far They've done all these things. They've done them right. And people have really enjoyed them. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, I'm going to watch it. We're going to be here on phase zero every Wednesday for the rest of your life.
4: Yep. So. (laughs) I got nothing but until the sun burns it all down. We're here.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. that's
1: <laughs> true. Until so we go full Icarus and just fly too close and stuff.
0: Brandon's right, having a we'll moment know. right now.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking about all this programming. Oh my gosh! Like I just, Br- I just just
0: ordered- right here. Like, oh, big news! God.
1: I should have said this earlier in the show. By by next Wednesday's show. We will have reactions to Eternals. Ooh. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jamie and I will both have seen Eternals by Wednesday. So yes. very excited. I don't know if I'll be able to do next Wednesday's show. I have the Eternals junket in person. We're doing interviews with the full cast. So that's going to be really, really exciting. We're headed to the premiere on Monday and then full cast interviews in person on Wednesday. So uh, I don't know, maybe I'll just trick one of them into coming live on the show. I'll just be like, Oh, look, my phone is on phase zero. You're on the show. And then be like,
0: Oh, hi. That would I'm be amazing. Uh,
1: but yeah. So that, I think that's a great way to end uh, today's show with a tease of next week that you will get the Eternals reactions in one way or another. And uh, some more awesome content coming to phase zero for the rest of forever. We have no shortage of content. This was, this was uh 2020, uh, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> 2020's uh the revenge for 2020 we had nothing in 2020 now we have everything forever Uh, Jenna, anything you want to say to end today's show?
0: Um, Well, two things. Um, I'll I'll get my plug out of the way first. But um, DC Fandom is this weekend. So if you want to keep up with all of the various updates, check comicbook.com. I will be frantically leading the charge and posting a lot of that stuff. Check my own Twitter at Hey, It's Jenna Lynn, because I will probably be sharing and reacting to a lot of it. So this is basically my Christmas. So I'm very excited. And then also, Brandon, you didn't mention the listener milestone that you wanted to mention. Oh, yes. We...
1: We have surpassed 930,000 listens across all platforms. My goal for the year was a million. And we're going to surpass that probably in early November at this rate. So I just wanted to thank everybody for that. Uh, Genuinely, I am hype. Um, And I'm hoping that everybody who's a part of the show can get a nice fat raise next year. I'm about to to go to Viacom CBS and be like, Hey, Jenna, Aaron, and Jamie are out here working. (laughs) All right. Uh, I said, I maybe I should, I don't know. I'll get in trouble for that. But, uh, no, thank you. And and Jenna, did you get uh, a DC fandom? I did. Yes. It is on my Twitter. Yeah. that, Uh, That made
0: my day. So that was awesome. I
1: can't, I can't wait to, uh, to go home and get my box. I think Mm -hmm. I got one as well. I haven't been able to open it yet, but, uh, all right, Aaron, anything from you to end today's show?
4: Um, Just a really fun experience. It's such a good time talking to the people behind What If. Like, it was so awesome. Also, Mm. I just did a quick scan just in case we missed anything. Just in case anything dropped while we were at the end of the show. (laughs) And apparently, Jonathan Majors has read the script to Ant-Man 3. So I guess the script exists.
0: (laughs) I thought they're like halfway through filming. I wrote up a thing that Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly said they're like halfway through filming. So I would hope he's read the script by now.
4: Um he they asked him if Ant-Man was dead and he said, We'll see. And then he made like a face. So we're All getting right. some like a- actual facial expression from Jonathan Majors when y'all ask him these questions. <laughs> Hooray. Oh, he's excited. He's playing into it. He's playing yeah. into it. Oh, yeah. All right, y'all. What
1: a good way to end the show. Well, thank you, Jenna, Aaron, for being great on today's show for that interview. Uh, thanks to our guests, Brian Andrews and AC Bradley, for coming in to chop up "What If" with us. Thank you to every single one of you listening who helped us reach that milestone, and that is what helps us book these guests because. People have noticed that we're reaching a lot of people and uh, they get to come have some fun with us and therefore with all of you as well. I'm sorry I didn't ask more Twitter questions or comment section questions for the first half of the show. I was also switching the show myself because we had a bit of uh, uh, an internet issue in the control room and Richard got it all sorted because Richard's a legend and he takes care of problems. So he's been helping us out in the second half of the show. So uh, that's today's show. Thank you so much for coming to phase zero. Uh we are going to wrap it up right there episode 40 share it with your friends share it with your mom play it for your dog plus one on that way to a million I'm BD see you later